The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Welcome to Ambassador Baptist Church. It's always good to have you here this morning. We're looking forward to a great time uh, in God's Word today. Uh, Last week we had the opportunity of beginning uh, in Luke chapter number 2, and today we're going to be looking at the middle of Luke chapter number 2 in our series that we've entitled God with us. And uh, throughout the series, we've been looking at different characters in the Christmas narrative that got to meet God in a very unique and special way. And, and today we're going to meet another character, one that isn't often talked about in the Christmas narrative, and that is Simeon. If you're physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text today, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 25, and we'll read down through verse number 35. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he, Simeon, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let me, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again, and many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I don't know if it's just me or maybe you've been here too, where you feel like when you need the world to speed up and be in a hurry, it literally slows down. Like maybe you're running late or you're in a rush to get somewhere and you are driving with great intentionality. And it feels like you hit every single red light, lights that you didn't even know were there. All of a sudden you're hitting all the red lights. Or maybe you get stuck behind a guy who's just driving about 10 miles an hour slower than the speed limit. I'll be honest with you, this morning we were having one of those mornings, practice for the worship team was at 8.15, and so we were rushing to get the kids ready, and our middle child, Michael, he's in that terrible two-stage right now, where he just wants to get into everything, and throw everything, and you tell him no, and he doesn't listen, and he's just, it's really inconvenient when you're trying to get ready, and you got to be somewhere, so we're, we're trying to corral him, we're trying to get ready, we're rushing out the door, and we're driving with intentionality to music practice. And we're over here coming over the Ashland overpass and we get stuck behind this brightly colored orange truck. Now, I know what I'm preaching about this morning, right? So I'm doing my very best to be in the spirit while we're driving. Because you don't want to be, you know, grumbling and complaining about a slow driver the morning you're going to preach on waiting on the Lord, right? And so I'm doing my best. You know, we're just waiting. We're just going. And then I look and this guy has like probably five or six bumper stickers, no joke, that talk about beef or cattle, on the back of his truck. And so we were, Sarah and I were just kind of laughing at it, like, oh, hey, look at this guy likes the rodeo. He's got all these uh, stickers about beef. And 
I was kind of wondering, like, maybe he's a Broncos fan. His truck was this bright orange with these blue, like, stripes, trim all around it. It was obviously a custom job that he had done, not a body shop place. Um, but anyway, so I'm like, I wonder if he's a Broncos fan. That's interesting. And so we get to church. We do our thing. Uh, about 20 minutes before the first service starts, I look out the window, and all of a sudden I see that orange truck drive through the church parking lot and turn into one of our parking spots. And literally, this guy was a visitor in our church in the first service. So if you're ever in a hurry in traffic, just remember, you never know who's going to be with you. That's a true story, I promise. Uh, But we as humans, we don't like to wait, do we? I mean, none of us, when we go to a restaurant and they tell you the wait time is going to be an hour, I mean, whenever that happens with me and my wife and we're out, I don't look at my wife and go, oh, babe, I'm just so thankful I have an extra hour to sit and talk about our feelings. I'm like, no, I'm hungry. You rush on me hungry. You feed me. That's how this works. I don't want to wait an hour. Why? Because we're impatient. We don't like to wait. Now, waiting for a table at a restaurant is one thing, but what about when you're in a season in your life and you feel like you're waiting on God? What do you do when you feel like you're waiting for an answer to prayer? You've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you just feel like... Heaven is silent. Your prayers are hitting the ceiling. What do you do when you're in a season and you're just waiting for the doctor to call with that diagnosis and you don't know what the diagnosis is? You don't know what's going to happen. You're in that, that waiting time, that season of unknown. Maybe you're here this morning and you really believe that your life would be farther along than it is. Maybe you thought, man, I thought for sure by now I'd be married. I thought for sure by now I would have kids. I thought for sure by now I'd be at a different financial stage, that I would have got that promotion, but things just aren't going the way I thought they would go. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, I'm just waiting for God to use me, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. You're waiting for God to save a friend or a loved one, and you've been praying for year after year for this person, and you're just waiting for them to come and trust Christ. What happens in those waiting times? What do you do when you're just waiting in that unknown? What then? Well, in our text that Pastor just read, we're introduced to a man named Simeon. And Simeon, granted, he is not a a well-known Christmas character. You don't get a little statue of Simeon in your nativity set. But his story is a very powerful one about waiting on God. And throughout his story, we're going to see that the fulfillment of waiting times is an encounter with Jesus. The fulfillment of waiting times is an encounter with Jesus. How God is with us, even in our waiting time. So let's jump right into it. In verses 25 and 26, we begin to get a picture of who Simeon is. We know where else in scripture does it talk about him, so we really, this is kind of it. This is where we get to meet Simeon. And verses 25 and 26 give us a little bit about him. It says that he was a just, and he was a devote man. When it says he was just, that's talking about his relationships with people. He was a just man. He was a man of integrity. He was fair. He was honest. He was just. When it talks about him being devout, that refers to his relationship with God. He was a man who had a very close relationship to God. He was devout. He had great devotion for the Lord. Simeon was a man who walked with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, indicating the powerful anointing and manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, which as you study the book of Luke, is a theme throughout the book of Luke that the author Luke emphasizes, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And so Simeon was a man who walked with God and the Holy Spirit was with him. And during the Old Testament, this was actually uncommon. The New Testament, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Ephesians 1.13 tells us that when we're saved, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. But in the Old Testament, so before Jesus died on the cross, people that, believers back then, they didn't have the same guarantee of the Holy Spirit that we did. So when Luke emphasizes the fact that Simeon was a man who the Holy Spirit was upon, 
we really understand that he was a man who had a very close relationship with the Lord. He was a man who walked with the Spirit. The Old Testament guarantee was not there, but for us it is. So we know Simeon was a man who had a very close relationship with God. And in verse 25, it tells us that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You say, what does that mean? Well, the word consolation just means to console or to comfort. The consolation of Israel is the hope that God would come and rescue his people and comfort his people. Luke's expression ties into wordings in Messianic prophecies in Isaiah, Isaiah 41. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people saith the Lord. So this was what the Old Testament prophets had prophesied about, that God would comfort and rescue his people through the Messiah. And so Simeon, get this, he's this godly man. He walks with the Lord. The Spirit is with him in a unique way. And Luke makes sure to emphasize that he was waiting, he was putting his hope in the coming of Messiah. But you see that Simeon, he also had a special promise from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, revealed to him that Simeon would not see death until he saw the Messiah with his own eyes. And later, when he does see the Messiah, he says, I'm ready to die. Lord, take your servant in peace. I'm ready to go. So we really begin to understand, Simeon is a godly man, but he's also a very old man. He's ready to die. He's ready to go. He's lived a full life. And his entire life has been characterized by waiting on the Lord, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, waiting for the Messiah that he knows he is going to see. Now put yourself in his shoes. Your entire life waiting for the comfort of Israel, for the promise of the Messiah. But you look around, and circumstances don't look so good. Your beloved nation, which was once one of the great nations of the world, is now being conquered and run by a pagan empire. I mean, everywhere you look, it seems like the situation is hopeless. Nobody has heard from God in over 400 years. It seems like the religious leaders of the day, they care more about getting power and influence with Rome than they do about leading the worship of God. Many people... And Simeon's day, they had completely given up on the idea of a Messiah. I mean, 400 years of waiting, they just said, maybe this isn't even real. Maybe this Messiah thing was just some kind of fairy tale, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be happening. Many in Simeon's day, they just forgot about it. Many in Simeon's day, they went to the other extreme and they tried to take matters into their own hands. They tried to fight Rome. They became murderers and criminals because they took matters into their own hand. And so while Simeon has this promise of the Holy Spirit... Nothing around him seems like it's going to fulfill that promise. And he's been waiting for year after year after year, decade after decade. And yes, he has this promise, but his life is coming closer and closer to an end. I'm sure there had to be times where it would have been easy for Simeon to doubt. Like, man, Lord, I feel like you gave me this promise. The Bible doesn't exactly say how the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon. We know before the angels came to Zechariah and Mary and Joseph, there had been no open revelation for 400 years. So very well, this Holy Spirit revealing this to Simeon could have just been something that the Holy Spirit put on his heart. And I'm sure it would have been easy to doubt. Getting closer to the end of his life, looking at all the circumstances around him, being like, God, did I understand you right? God, was that real? Have you ever had a moment when you were so sure of something, but then as time goes on, you begin to doubt what at one point you were so sure of? Simeon, he's waiting. It would have been easy for him to doubt. It would have been easy for him to question. And maybe there's something in your life, and you were like, I was so sure that that was what God was leading me to do, but it just is taking longer than I thought. Maybe there were more difficulties than I initially expected. Maybe I didn't get the support I needed. Maybe I felt like I should be farther along. Not everyone was as excited about it as I was, and you, you begin to doubt. Did the Holy Spirit really reveal that to me? 
Maybe you're at a point like many in Simeon's day, and you're just like, I'm just, I, I don't even know. Like, I'm wondering if this is all even real anymore. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Or maybe you're on the other end of the extreme where you're just like, I'm just going to take matters into my own hand. I'm not going to wait on the Lord. Imagine day after day, month after month, year after year, and nothing seems to be happening. Just waiting. But how does Simeon respond in that waiting? I love this. He simply follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. Simeon is faithful to following the Holy Spirit while he is waiting. He stays surrendered to the Holy Spirit's leading in his life because he knows the fulfillment of his waiting time is going to be an encounter with Jesus. And so what does he do? He stays surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He continues to walk with God. He stays faithful in walking with the Lord. What did he do? He just stays faithful. He keeps walking in the Spirit. And notice what happens at the beginning of verse number 27. It says, And he came by the Spirit into the temple. In the beginning of the, uh, verse 27, the Holy Spirit guides Simeon to go to the temple. He leads him to go to the temple. That phrase came by, you could also translate it, guided. Now keep in mind, Simeon does not know why the Spirit is leading him. He doesn't know he's about to meet Jesus. The temple was the religious center for the nation of Israel. It's where they did their corporate worship. It's where they made their offerings and their sacrifices. I think we have a picture of what the temple would have looked like uh, at this particular time in history. So this is where the temple, this is where they did their offerings, their sacrifices. That main courtyard there in the front is said to have been able to hold thousands of worshipers at one time. So for Simeon, going to the temple would not have been anything out of his routine. It would not have been something that was extraordinary, like, oh man, this has got to be it. Simeon, as a faithful man who walked with God, he would have been faithful in his offerings. He would have been faithful in his sacrifices. He would have been faithful in going to the temple. This was not something that was out of the ordinary. In fact, for Simeon to go to the temple would have been a very normal thing for him to do. But the Holy Spirit is leading him, and so what does he do? He stays faithful in doing a very normal thing. There's nothing obviously unique about this to Simeon. He just knows the Holy Spirit's leading me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And it's during our own times of waiting that the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead us to do, yes, right things, but oftentimes just very normal things, very routine things. And one of the ways we get to experience Jesus, we get to encounter God with us in our waiting times and during our times of the unknown is simply by staying faithful to what the Holy Spirit has called us to do, just by being faithful to what we know the Holy Spirit wants us to do. On the one hand, it's very supernatural, right? Because the Holy Spirit's the one guiding him. But on the other hand, it's normal. He's just going to the temple. He's done this hundreds of times in his life. I mean, imagine if you were Simeon and, you know, you're an old man. You're tired. Your whole life has been characterized by waiting and waiting and waiting. Imagine if the Holy Spirit led him to go to the temple and you're just like, man, Lord, I, you know, I, I go to the temple all the time. I think today I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just going to take a nap. He would have missed it. But Simeon, he is faithful to following the Holy Spirit in his waiting times. And I find that's often how the Spirit of God works in our lives. It's just the being faithful. The Holy Spirit will lead us to do faithful little things. You see, sometimes we want the big show, right? We want to be like the shepherds where the angels open up the sky and give us a very obvious message. We want to be like Mary and Joseph where we get the dream and we know. But that's not often how the Holy Spirit works. Oftentimes, it's just in these little things that the Holy Spirit is leading us to do that he wants us to follow. And a lot of times when people don't get the big grandiose show in their waiting times, that's why they quit. That's why people quit on their job. Because they feel like, oh, I should have been farther along. Oh, it's just routine. Oh, it's just boring. I need something new. And so they quit on their job. That's why people quit on their marriage because it doesn't have the spark that it once had. It's not like it was when we were dating or when we first got married. It's just kind of routine now. So I just, I'm, I'm going to go look for something that's more exciting, right? And we're not faithful to what the Holy Spirit has led us to do. It's why people quit on their family. 
That's why people quit helping other people. They just don't see results right away. It doesn't work. Like you try to help somebody and they don't change. And so you're just like, I'll forget it. I'm not even going to bother. It's why we quit. It's why we don't stay faithful. Oftentimes people, they'll quit giving. They'll quit serving. They'll quit on church. They'll quit on God because they don't feel like they're getting any results. It's not the big grandiose show. It's not really, it's not really flashy. They don't see results right away. They don't get the big flashy show. They don't get the angels opening up the sky. And so they just quit. But oftentimes for most of us, it's in these small ways. It's in these ordinary ways that we experience God with us. Because here's the truth. Jesus meets us in the ordinary Simeon was faithful to the Holy Spirit, even though this was a normal thing, even though this was maybe even at this moment might have been a boring thing for Simeon. He was faithful. Why? Because he knew at any moment he was going to meet the Messiah. He knows at any moment I'm going to meet Jesus. And so I want to be faithful because I don't want to miss that. So he was faithful because he knew in the ordinary routine things of life that the Spirit leads us to do. That's where we meet Jesus. Jesus meets us in the ordinary. And as the Holy Spirit led Simeon in the most ordinary task, he was able to experience the fulfillment of all his hopes and dreams as he was just being faithful in the ordinary, faithful in the normal. Jesus meets us in the ordinary. Jesus meets us in our faithfulness. You see, oftentimes being faithful is one of the most faith-filled things that we can do. Not for our own pride, not so that we can be well thought of, not because we're just, you know, it's our duty, so we're going to do it. No, because we know that Jesus is going to meet us there. We want to be faithful because Jesus meets us in our faithfulness. You see, faithfulness is itself not the end. Faithfulness is just the means to an end. The end is Jesus. Simeon wanted nothing more than to meet Jesus. And so he was faithful through simple obedience that he got to hold the Messiah in his arms. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like? This old man, you've been waiting your entire life, and all of a sudden you get to hold the baby Jesus. You get to hold the Messiah in your arms. Can you imagine? Here's the truth. We don't really have to imagine. We don't have to wonder. We can know. Why? Because Simeon is no different than we are. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the written word of God in our laps. We can experience Jesus because the Holy Spirit is always going to lead us to Jesus. Jesus said in John 16, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself. Jesus is saying, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. and He's not going to talk about himself. He's going to teach you whatever he's told. He's going to glorify me. The Holy Spirit in our lives is going to glorify Jesus. For he shall glorify me, Jesus said, and he shall receive a mine and shall know it unto and shall show it unto you. So the Holy Spirit is always going to lead us to Jesus. Simeon wasn't anything special. He just stayed yielded to the Holy Spirit. And as we stay yielded to the Holy Spirit, he will always lead us to Jesus. The fulfillment of our waiting time is an encounter with Jesus. So if you feel like you've been waiting on God, you feel like I'm just waiting in life, my life has been characterized by waiting, take heart. Jesus meets you in that waiting times. Waiting times never have to be wasted times. It's not like, oh, I'm waiting. I just feel like I'm on, I'm on the shelf. God can't, no. You can experience Jesus in those waiting times. Psalms 40 verse one says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And get this, he inclined unto me. The psalmist is saying, when I waited for God, he leaned in. When you're in your waiting times, God is leaning into you. God is there. God is hearing you. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. God is with you. God is leaning into you while you're in your waiting times. We, like Simeon, we have a blessed hope to look for. The coming of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit who wants to lead us to Jesus. Jesus. 
God prepares a person to receive Christ by stirring up a longing for consolation, a longing for redemption that can only come from Jesus. So if you're here today and you have that longing in your heart, that longing in your soul, maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, but there's that longing inside of you for something more. There's that longing in your heart that says there has to be more to life. There has to be more satisfaction. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart telling you, you need Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit preparing you to receive Christ, who is the only person that can satisfy your soul. Maybe you're here today and you are saved, but you're in a waiting time. You feel like you're waiting for the Lord and you have that same longing. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you need Jesus right now. You need an encounter with the Lord. Jesus is what can satisfy We have the same truth in relation to Christ's second coming that Simeon had in his first coming. We have that blessed hope that we look forward to. Hebrews 9.28, So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and salvation. Peter actually tells us to gird up our minds with this truth. Uh, 1 Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought to you unto the revelation of Christ. Now, let's, let's, let's just get real here for a moment. That phrase at the beginning of that verse is a little weird. You say, Pastor Nick, what does it mean to gird up your loins? Well, uh, we have a picture to illustrate what that means for you this morning. So back in Bible days, this is what the guys wore. They would wear a tunic is what it's called. But can we just, it looks like a dress, right? Like, it, it looks like a dress. So that, I mean, that's, that was a style, but it was not good for running. It was not good for action. You couldn't fight in that thing. You'd trip over it, and then you'd get conquered. So when they say gird up your loins, they're saying get ready for action. And what they would do is they would literally pull it up, pull all the material in front, pull it down between, between their legs, and then wrap it and tie it around themselves so they could have mobility. So when Peter is saying gird up your loins, he's saying get ready for action. Prepare your mind for action. Why? So that you can have a mind ready and put your hope in Christ. You see, the truth is when you're in your waiting times, it feels like a battle, doesn't it? I mean, on the one hand over here, you guys, you can take that down. Yeah, that's going to get distracting. Um, on the one hand, you have your flesh and your waiting time that's saying, give up. Christ hasn't come through for you yet. What makes you think he's going to? You've been waiting your whole life. That's never going to happen. Your flesh is going to tell you to give up. It's going to tell you to take matters into your own hand. That's what your flesh. And then on the other hand, you have your spirit. You have your new nature that says, no, wait in Christ. God is listening. You can encounter Jesus. And sometimes that feels like a battle inside. And Peter, he's telling the people that he's writing to, you need to completely place your hope in Christ. And he's using this example, this military example, saying, get ready for action. He's saying, with your minds ready for action, put your hope in Christ. Why? Because there's going to be times it feels like a fight. There's going to be times it's a struggle. And Peter's saying, gird up your loins, get ready for action with the truth that Christ is your hope. Christ is your hope. The way we prepare the way we experience victory is by placing our hope in Christ. Simeon saw Christ and welcomed him because he was longing for his coming and his redemption. He knew that Jesus was Israel's only hope, and the same is true for us. Christ is our only hope. So in your waiting times, what are you placing your hope in? Are you hoping your circumstances change? Are you hoping your boss finally notices all your hard work? Are you putting your trust in relationships? Are you putting, what, are you, what are you hoping in? What are you, in your waiting times, what are you trusting in? As Simeon followed the Holy Spirit in simple obedience, he experienced the Messiah. And the reason he was able to be faithful is because his hope was in Christ. Now, once he experiences the Messiah, once he holds Jesus in his arm, let's look at how he responds. 
the last half of verse 28 through 25, we see Simeon really giving this prophetic praise. All this was going on in his heart, and it just bursts alive. He's like, basically, my life is complete. Jesus, you were worth the wait. My life is complete. I saw Jesus. I'm ready to go. His entire life was complete. Even as an infant, Jesus completed Simeon. And Jesus, for us, in our waiting times, Jesus is always worth the wait. He's worth the wait. He's worth being faithful for. You see, it makes sense to set your heart on Christ this morning because there is something deep inside of you, this longing in your heart that this world cannot satisfy, and only Christ can. It just makes sense to put your hope in him. In this moment, when Simeon is holding baby Jesus, all this bursts alive in his heart, and he just starts singing, God, my life is complete. I've seen your salvation. You've prepared the way to save the entire world, the Jews and the Gentiles, God, the whole world. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. Jesus is literally holding the fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah, in Jesus Christ. So whether it's in Bethlehem's manger, or it's on Calvary's cross, or it's on his throne from where he'll judge the quick and the dead, where, wherever we see him, we see the salvation of God as Simeon sees the salvation of God, he just begins worshiping. He just begins praising. The fulfillment of everything he had longed for happened when he met Jesus. But while Simeon's praising God, something interesting in this story happens. The shift kind of goes from Simeon's perspective over to Mary and Joseph's perspective. Now put yourself in their shoes. Uh, Jesus is about eight days old. Verses 21 through 24 says they brought him there to do as the law required. The law required that he be circumcised when he was eight days old. So they took him to the temple to do that. They also had sacrifices of two turtle doves, I think, to make. So they're going to make their sacrifices, and they're going to present Jesus to the Lord. Basically, they're going to their baby dedication. So here they are. The baby's eight days old. They had just traveled from Nazareth all the way up to Bethlehem while Mary's very pregnant. They had the baby, Jesus, in a cattle stall, and then now they're traveling from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. I mean, I can imagine they're pretty stinking exhausted. I mean, there's a lot of parents with new babies. I mean, how many of you, eight days after you had a baby, want to do all that? Say, no, thank you. I'm hiding in my house. So here they are. They're bringing their baby. They're bringing him to the temple. They're going to do his dedication. I'm sure they're tired. I'm sure they just probably want to get in and get out, get this done so they can go home and and get some rest. And here in the foyer, some crazy old man comes up, grabs their baby and starts saying, it's the salvation of the Lord. Can you imagine? I mean, the Bible says they just kind of stood there and marveled at all this, like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, we just want to get in and get out. And this guy just grabs our kid and starts praising the Lord. And while this is all happening, the Bible says they just kind of marvel. They're just kind of taking it all in. But while Simeon's praising, he looks at Mary and he tells her something very interesting. He says, Mary, Jesus is going to cause many to rise and many to fall. Many are going to get saved. Many's lives are going to be changed. I mean, Jesus is going to be a game changer. He's going to change everything. Many are going to rise. Many are going to be saved, but also many are going to fall. Not everyone's going to get saved. Not everyone's going to place their faith in Christ. Mary, he's going to reveal people's hearts, and they're not going to like it. Some aren't going to believe. Some won't like what he teaches. It's going to offend some people. He tells Mary, there are difficult days ahead of you, Mary. You're going to experience some pain. Mary, your son, Jesus, he's going to reveal the hearts of man, and they're not all going to like him for it. Some of them are going to kill him for it. And Mary, it's going to be like it pierces your own soul. I mean, can you imagine your brand new baby and this crazy old guy tells you that? It pierces her own soul. 
You see, following Jesus, waiting on Jesus, sometimes it's hard. But it's always, always worth it. This happened, why? So the salvation can come to many people. Following Jesus is hard, but it is always worth it. And in those hard waiting times, God is with you. So real briefly, as we wrap this up, how do we experience God in our waiting times? One, put your hope in the coming of Jesus. Put your hope in the coming of Jesus. Waiting times have a way of revealing where our hope is, don't they? Make the conscious daily decision, I'm going to put my hope in Christ today. One day Jesus is going to come. I'm going to hope in that. One day he's going to come and he's going to stamp out evil. One day he's going to come and he's going to wipe every tear away. One day he's going to come and he's going to make all wrongs right. Today I'm going to decide to put my hope in that. Put your hope in the coming of Jesus. Titus says that's our blessed hope. Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. When that's your hope, it's easy to be faithful in mundane times. It's easy to be faithful in the routine things when that's our blessed hope. Number two prioritize abiding in the presence of the Spirit of God. Simeon was just faithful, walking with God. Prioritize being in his presence. You see, it's the presence of Christ that enables you to be faithful, so spend time with him. Jesus enables us to have strength when we're waiting. He gives us strength in the unknown, so spend time with him. If you're waiting on God, talk to him a lot. Listen to him in his word. Prioritize spending time with God. Number three, Stay faithful to seemingly routine acts of obedience. Simeon had no idea what was going to happen when he went to the temple. But stay faithful to seemingly routine acts of obedience. The Holy Spirit will always, always, always lead you to Jesus and to his word. Stay faithful to his leading. Stay faithful to his prompting. Believe what he leads you to do. Faithfulness is not always grandiose. Not every time you come to church, it's going to be this big, awesome show. Sometimes you're going to come to church and be meh. Pastor Nick's kind of boring today. The point isn't to come and get a show. The point is in your faithfulness. That's where you meet Jesus. So stay faithful to seemingly routine acts of obedience. God will meet you in your faith-filled, faithful obedience. Number four, believe Christ is what truly satisfies your soul. Waiting times also kind of reveal what we need to be satisfied or what we think we need to be satisfied. Waiting times have a way of revealing that. I mean, oftentimes... We say, I'm satisfied with Christ if he answers my prayer X, Y, Z. I'll be satisfied with Christ if so-and-so, you know, if such-and-such situation turns out. I mean, think about Simeon. He got to meet baby Jesus as a baby, as an eight-day-old infant. There were no miracles. There was no feeding of the 5,000. There was no raising the dead. There was no supernatural healings. There was no cross. There was no resurrection. It was just a baby. But Simeon said, you have completely satisfied me. We need to be satisfied with Christ and Christ alone. Oftentimes we say we're satisfied with Christ, but then we put these expectations on him for how we can be satisfied with him. We have to get to a place where we're just, I'm okay with God being God. And when I'm okay with God being God and Christ doing what Christ is going to do, then I can truly experience the satisfaction that he freely gives. Allow Christ to be what truly satisfies you. Number five, praise God for his salvation. In waiting times, Praise God for his salvation. I mean, th- I mean, that's what Christmas is all about, right? God came down to this earth. He lived a life that you and I can never live. He lived his life to die. He died so that he could rise from the dead and defeat sin in the grave. And he is now our risen king. Praise God for his salvation. In those waiting times when you feel like nothing's going my way, praise God that he saved your soul. Focus your mind and your emotions on your salvation. 
Allow your heart, allow your emotions to be stirred up and overwhelmed by the fact that Christ died for you. He gave everything for you. Praise God for his salvation. And lastly, recognize waiting on Jesus may be hard, but it is always, always worth it. Waiting seasons are hard. They make you feel abandoned. They make you feel alone. They make you feel forgotten. But waiting on Jesus is always worth it. You may go your entire life. Your entire life could like very well like Simeon. It just could be characterized by just waiting. God, where are you? I'm just waiting. I'm here. I'm waiting. Your entire life could be characterized. You may even pass from this life never experiencing the fulfillment of what you're waiting for. But can I tell you this? One day you're going to stand before King Jesus. And you're going to see him robed in all his majesty and all his splendor. You're going to see how he fixes everything, how he completes the redemption that he started 2017 years ago. You're going to see all that. You're going to get to worship him for eternity where time does not exist. And this little thing called life where we were waiting, it's just going to be nothing. It's going to fade away from existence. And it'll seem literally less than a drop in the ocean compared to the glory that we will see when we see Jesus. Waiting on God is hard for this moment but it will eternally be worth it. The fulfillment of our waiting times is an encounter with Jesus. So here's a takeaway. Stay faithful, because Jesus is worth the wait. Stay faithful in the mundane. Stay faithful in the routine. Faithfully follow the Holy Spirit's leading your wife. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.